Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And the month of June, I would like to just talk about, have just have four messages in the month of June about the love of God. And, um, and the love of God has four dimensions to it. It has four aspects to it. And if I can, um, as I'm talking here, get that little adapter for the iPad, for my iPad, I'm going to try to draw a little illustration and uh, kind of give you the idea, thank you, Rose, kind of give you the idea of what the dimensions are. But let's first of all read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And it says this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles back there. You can take one home with you if you'd like. They're free. And if you know someone that needs a Bible, take one. It's for free. And give them a Bible. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And just think of those verses here. I want to just take these verses apart a little bit. And uh, this morning, early this morning, I was just doing some exegesis uh, on these verses, taking them apart, looking at them, in the Greek, and a very, um, a very unique set of verses. I think the book of Ephesians is probably one of the most richest, book, richest books uh, in the Greek that you can imagine. Uh, it's just so filled with um, so much wealth of literary beauty, and you could spend all day on just one verse, taking it apart and meditating it. The Ephesian church when Paul was pastoring that church, it was an amazing church. It was just a church that was just filled with the knowledge of God. And imagine being in Paul's church, hearing him preach. And, you know, you could see his letters. Imagine what his messages were like. It's incredible. The first, the first thing that we really want to focus on is that many times people believe that God is loving. If you were to ask somebody on the street today, is God a loving God? And I think most people would say, God is a loving God and God loves me. And, but when you talk to people about the nitty-gritty in their life and you ask them, do you know the love of God personally, in your life personally? Many times people will, that's where they begin to doubt. They may begin to doubt, well, God doesn't love me um, in every area of my life because I fail him in a lot of ways. And this is when we begin to falter in the understanding of the love of God. God wants us to comprehend his love. God really wants you to know how much he loves you. And God is, God's love is much more than just a slogan that we see on bumper stickers or, or kind of a Christian, uh, Christian mantra, but it's really one of the greatest truths of the New Testament. When we look at the word here, let's look at these words here, um, step by step, that God, that God, or that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. 
This word grant is a grace word. It's part of the grace vocabulary. When we think about the grace of God, there are words that are grace-oriented or grace terms. And we see that this verse here begins with the grace of God, that God would grant you. Now, the way it's stated here is there's a question mark. Would God give you or would God grant you? And the answer to this question is yes. If God has given us his son in Romans chapter 8, would he not freely give us all, all things? And I think that that's where we stumble because when God wants to get very personal and very specific in our lives about his love for us in certain areas of our life, that is when transformation happens. There's only one thing that can transform an area of our life that we are consistently failing in, and that is the love of God. The love of God is transformational. Uh, Dr. Stevens wrote a booklet, and we, I think we have copies in the back of it called Just Let God Love You. It's probably one of the most translated books in our church, ministry-wide. And what it says, in one, of, one, of these, one of the famous lines in that booklet is, God's love does not demand change. It produces one. And when we receive the love of God, we are just automatically changed. We are automatically transformed. When we receive the love of God through the revelation of the Holy Spirit in Romans 5, verse 5, read that verse sometime when you get home. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It's easy to remember, 5, 5. It says that the, that the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in every corner of our heart. That's my little addition to the verse. It sheds abroad the love of God in our heart. The Holy Spirit is, is light. And when he begins to shine into our life or shine into our heart, the love of God begins to brighten every dark corner and it transforms the heart. And this is what people need today to understand that they are not children of darkness. Grant is, is a very beautiful grace word. It's, a, it's the Greek word didomai, which is really God gives according to his bank account. Um, when someone that has lots of resources in their, in, in their life gives us something, we're not really worried about whether the check is going to bounce or not, are we? Amen. When God gives us something from his bank account, which is, what's his, where does God bank? He banks the riches of his glory. That's God's bank right there. That's the riches of his grace, of his glorious grace. And how much riches does God have of glorious grace? It's unending. It is infinite. And when God gives us something or gives you something, when God promises you, every Bible verse is a check. We take a check, we go to the bank, we proof of identity, uh, and that's getting more and more interesting these days. Now we've got to put our f- fingerprint in there, and sooner or later we're going to have to do eye scans and hair samples <laughs> just, to, just to cash a check. And we're, our name is on it, and we go to the, we go to the bank, and, and every Bible verse is a check that's written to you and I about the riches of God's grace. And when we go to the bank, we cash that check. And what, what is the, res- what is the re- result of cashing God's checks? Well, we are strengthened with might through his spirit and the inner man. I'm going to get to God's love in a second. Strengthened with might in the inner man. Now, these, this phrase has two big words in it in the Greek, strengthen and might. And these are two big words in the, in the Greek language. One of them, strengthen, is where we get is the word kratos, or the, the strength that comes because something's been delegated to you. 
or something has been given to you as a position, you go to the cashier at a, at a, at a shopping, at a store, and that clerk, that, that person, that cashier has been delegated authority to open the cash register, take your money and give you change. That person has the power over that cash register. You and I are not just over there reaching into it and taking money out because that person has authority over the cashier's box, don't they? And so that's kratos. That's the strength that God would strengthen you. And that is something that has already happened in our life as a believer. Now, you've got to think with me, and today's going to be a kind of a thinking day in church. You and I have been put in a position in Christ. We are at the right, we are in Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father. We are in Christ today. And because we are in Christ, we have the power to be the sons of God. It says in John chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 and 12, it says that they that believe have the power or the authority to be the sons of God. And so that's kratos. We are, when we go to God and we're looking for strength, that's where we have to begin with our position in Christ that we are holy and righteous before him. And then it says that we may be strengthened with might. That means just understand who you are in Christ. When you understand who you are in Christ, you're strengthened. And you may be in some difficult times right now with your health or finances or family. Get strengthened in who you are in Christ and not who you are in your situation. And the second thing is that be strengthened with might through his spirit. And that word might is where we get the Greek word uh, which the Greek word is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. And when you hold a stick of dynamite, you're very careful not to uh, have any flame or any kind of sparks near it, aren't you? Because that stick of dynamite has a lot of achievable power in it, doesn't it? When you have a stick of dynamite, it's a, it has the ability to achieve certain results. It can blow something up. It can do a certain amount of damage. And so this word here, might is a word that speaks about the potential or the achievable power that you and I have as believers. That we are able to do something because of the position we are in Christ and that we have this power. We have all that we need already in us because of who we are in Christ. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, let's continue, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded. And this is the really the core of our Christianity. You know, when we say, when, some, when we give the invitation to receive Christ as your personal Savior into your heart, when we do that, sometimes people say, well, where do you get that Bible? In, inviting Jesus into your heart. And I know some preachers really have a problem with that phrase, inviting Jesus into your heart. Well, this, there's two verses that we use for that. This verse that he dwells in our hearts by faith. And then Revelations chapter 3, where it says, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens and lets me in, I will come in and have communion with him. And that when we say that a person needs to make a personal decision to receive Jesus into their heart, to respond to his initiation, that's what we're talking about. Today, Jesus dwells in your life by faith, doesn't he? Maybe you don't always see him, but you wake up in the morning or you are about your business during the day and you're saying, Jesus is in my life today by faith. I don't always see it, but he's there by faith. When we were at the picnic yesterday, uh, we were playing a game that we made up, uh, a Frisbee soccer. 
It was just a very interesting game. We're playing with some old guys and some young guys, and uh, my team lost. <laughs> Isaiah's team won, and I understood that I needed to understand this first. I needed to be strengthened with all might, and I needed to be. I needed that. Uh, I needed to know by faith that God loves me after we lost that. After we lost that game, that God still loves me. It's hard to lose to a kid, isn't it? I don't know. You just never get used to that. I don't know. Watch out for. Uh, Autumn did a great job. She just she played the goal and she just intimidated anybody that came near that that goal. She just she just growled at them and screams. But we still lost, so we have to work harder on that. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, being rooted and grounded. You know, we want to be people that are rooted and grounded in love, and that's where security comes. You know. Men, we struggle with insecurity. We just get insecure when we're not in control. And when we're not in control of things, we get a little insecure. We're just kind of like, you know, we're just kind of, you ever been on ice and you're trying to walk across a, you know, a a pond of ice or on a skating rink and you're just like, you're trying to not look goofy, but you're you're just kind of sliding all over the place. That is something that happens when, because we get insecure. And we want to have things, we want to be in control because men understand that this is the way we were made to be in God, that God through us is empowering us to reign over or to rule over a situation or our family. But when we understand, and we talked about this at the men's getaway last weekend, when we understand that we are secure in God's love and that we are never going to be in Romans and Hebrews chapter 13, that Christ will never leave us, no, never, no, never, that brings in a great security in our life that no matter what happens, no matter how bad I feel, I am secure in the love of God. And that makes us rooted and grounded in love. And a tree that has deep roots in the ground is hard to, get, is hard to pull out, isn't it? When you and I grow roots in the love of God, then it's very hard to pull us and to move us from our circumstances. Well, let me just get to the point of the message here that we may comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height. When you look at those four dimensions, we live in a three-dimensional world, but in God's kingdom, in God's world, there are four dimensions. There are our three dimensions, but there's another dimension, and that's the dimension of God's love, God's spirit, God's reality. That's the reality of what faith. And I want to look at this... In the next four messages, I want to talk about each one of them. Today, we're going to talk about the length of God's love. The length of God's love. And what does it say here? That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. And that's not in there for any, by, by any mistake. That we may comprehend with all the saints. Someone may say, well, I don't feel very saintly today. The saints are those people that are in the big church down the street, in, the, in that big chapel. Those are the saints. No. The Bible says that any one of us, and the Greek word there for saints is hagios, and which it, what it means holy one or one that's been set apart. We have been made holy. And if so, if you and I believe on Jesus Christ today as our righteousness, then we are saints in Christ. So that means that you and I today in this room, we are saints. It is impossible for us to comprehend the love of God without being in a church. Yes, we can somehow understand it to some limited degree as a Christian by ourselves. But you know, when we're in a body of people like this, when we're in a body of people that, you know, like that are worshiping like we did this morning, that are 
celebrating the, the, the life and the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, when we are in the midst of a body like that, then we are experiencing the love of Christ, aren't we? We are getting built up. And the church is the greatest answer for society today. Amen. Not more money, not more politicians, not more programs, not more this, not more that, not more weapons, not more... Th- what we need is the church to function as the church in the world that we live in today. And when we are in the body of Christ, what happens? We begin to discover the powerful love of God, don't we? How many of us have left service walking out the door and we just feel so built up? You know, Thursday nights we have prayer meetings here and they're just so awesome. It's like a little group. It's kind of like the secret of the church that, you know, it's like this very powerful, we just, we get together we fellowship, we pray, and I, every, every Thursday night when I drive home, I'm just driving down Park Ave, and I'm just so encouraged. I'm so built up. I feel so loved up by God. And you know, you know the reason why that people have a very small world that they live in? Because they don't let the love of God expand their horizons. Let's get into it a little bit here. What is the width, the length, the depth, and the height? I'm going to quickly say them, and then the next few services we're going to talk about each one the width of God's love the length of God's love its height and its depth the length of God's love I'll talk about in a minute but what is the width or the breadth of God's love what is the width of it what is the width how wide is God's love and when we talk about the width of God's love there's really two things that it's referring to and I I heard this somewhere maybe you heard this too but it really touched me Someone asked Jesus, how much does he love him? And Jesus said, I love you this much. And he opened up his arms, stretched them out, and was nailed to a cross. That's how wide God's love is. His love is so, it is so, has so much width to it that it can affect all of our relationships. And that's what the love of God's, that's the width of God's love, the love of God in relationships. And I'm going to talk about these later so don't get lost in it what's the depth of god's love you know we are very deep people and we don't even know ourselves you don't you and i don't even know what we would do in certain circumstances we see things on tv and things that people do and we just shake our heads and we are like ah, i would never do anything like that we don't know what we would do in certain circumstances and it's just the grace of god that we have not been put in certain circumstances the depth of God's love talks about how deep God's love goes into our soul. How deep it begins to invade all the corner, the dark corners that we have hidden because of shame or guilt or fear. God's love is very, very, very deep. Have you ever talked to somebody that knows God and you sense the depth in their life? You sense the weight in their life. You sense the understanding that they have about how deep and they also love you in a very deep way the depth of God is is that way and then I want to what is the height of God's love God's loves the height of it talks about spiritual warfare why do I say that because when we talk about the atmosphere and the heavenlies we're talking about a uh, it's, the, it's the realm with angels where they reside and where there is warfare, angelic warfare happening. The love of God gets us through demonic and spiritual warfare in our life. And lastly, the length. And I want to just take just the last few minutes of our message today 
on this subject. What is the length of God's love? When we talk about length, we're talking about something that, that uh, refers to not only distance, but it refers to time. Now, when Jesus, when it says here, when Paul says that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, and then we see these four dimensions, we have some builders here today. If you understand, if you can see this, that there is length, width, depth, and height, what is that? What, what in this, what in our world has length, depth, height, and width? A building. A building, a habitation, a place where someone can dwell, right? The love of God is where Jesus dwells. And if we, are, if we allow the building of God's love to be built in our life, then we're going to discover the habitation of Jesus Christ there. Christ dwells in this place that he's building. What is the length of God's, God's love? Well, how far back and how far ahead does God's love? Let's, let me take a, take a moment here. And I'm going to try to draw something. Please don't laugh. When we talk about when we talk about um, length, we're talking about something that has something that has length, and when we talk about height. We're talking about something that has height, and I'm going to just try to. I'm just. How many of you took these architectural drawing classes, and you had to learn how to draw a building with perspective? How many of you ever did that in school? One, two people, <laughs> three. Okay, we have some very smart people here. We could we could look at a house here, and we could see here. I know my drawing is incredible. I'm not drawing the Pentagon. <laughs> Actually, I messed up here. I practiced this morning, too. Okay. Bear with me. Right? Something like that. Oh, well. Here, this is the point I'm trying to make. Right here is the, is the part that we're talking about. This is, this, is the, this is the length. And when we talk about the length of something, we're talking about time. How far? And this is, this is probably one of the most important questions when you're building something. And I, does anybody understand that or not? <laughs> People scratching their heads. Pastor Chris, stick with the preaching, <laughs> not the drawing. When we look at length, it really refers to time. And when we, when we think about time, how long ago did God start loving us? When you received Christ? When you turned your life around? No, that's not when God started loving you. God started loving us when? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says in what? Eternity past. What does that mean? Wow, eternity past is such a big... Well, if you look at time, and we're going to get very... We're going to get very uh, very deep here. If you look at, if you think about time, time is really a circle, okay? And it has a point. And this point really is not the beginning, that's not the end. But, and if we looked inside of the circle here, really, God is in a circle. And this is really, God 
is in the circle and he is, time is, is functioning around him. And when Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they lived in the garden in God's continual presence. And there was no time. There was no sense of time. And, but when sin came into the picture, they began to be aware of themselves and their world without God. And that just created time. Time is basically just the absence of God's presence. When you and I are in the presence of God, worshiping and praying and just amazed at the Bible or incredible, just, a, a, just a taken in by the, we don't even know what time it is. And we don't, we are not even aware, like, why wow, it's four o'clock in the morning. Why wow, I feel like I'm not even, it's not even, it's not even late. When we are, you know, when we are with people that are just, we're having this incredible, it was like the camp this weekend. It was just so awesome. We're just with people and just having blessed fellowship and we just lost track of time. When God is, when the fullness of God in his love is in our midst, then we forget about time because when, because when God's in the picture, time is filled and there is no sense of a beginning. And I, you don't, don't worry if you can't figure it out. But you know what happens? Is that every point of time, oh wow, these make arrows by themselves, cool. I didn't know that. God is affecting every part of time. When we live with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the love of God, then every part of our day is blessed by the love of God. Let's go back here to just this point in Ephesians chapter 1. God loved us. And let's just read that together. Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to, this is the beginning point of God's love. And I'll tell you why this is so incredible. Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him. Where? Where? In love. Actually, in the original Greek, in love actually is the beginning of the next sentence, which is really awesome. Having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. We were in God, in his mind, in love, before, before we ever failed. Before you and I ever had a history in the flesh, before we ever had a good history or a bad history, we were in the mind of God, in his love. <clears throat> Isn't that amazing? Another great verse is Galatians chapter 2, where Paul said that, that while I was in my mother's womb, I was, I was called. And this is very important because God's love towards us today, the length of God's love begins with him. It starts with him. God just said, I want to settle this before I create mankind and they mess everything up. Because mankind has this amazing ability to mess everything that he messes, everything up that he touches. God says, I want to, right from the beginning, establish this, that they are in love and that I love them. And then when does God stop loving us? When does he stop loving us? This is like a Sunday school message, isn't it? But even though it's a Sunday school message, in our daily life we forget this. And we walk around like condemned creatures, like we're angry at ourselves. I failed, I messed up, I, I should have known better, I did this wrong. And then we beat ourselves up. John chapter 13, look at this verse here. And when in verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world 
to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the point until they failed. No, until the end. It's one of my favorite verses. I love it. You hear me quote this verse a lot. He loved them to the end. And what is that end? We said this yesterday at the picnic, just very briefly. The end is that Greek word that Jesus used when he said in John, um, in John 19, when he said, it is finished. Jesus loves us until the completion of his plan in our life. Isn't that amazing? God's love is going to grab you and I by the hand, and he's going to lead us to the point of his perfected plan in our life today. So the weight is not on you and I to perfect our lives. Some of us high achievers, we like goals, we like to accomplish things, we like achievement, we like to look at things. I like to do that. Many of us, you know, athletes like to do that. When they go out to exercise, when I go biking, I always like to look at my numbers and how I did. And, you know, but you know something? We cannot perfect ourselves. And when we surrender ourselves, and I'm going to close with this, when you and I surrender to the love of God and surrender all of our issues at the cross and say, God, I surrender. I'm not going to try to perform anymore. You know, performance in your life causes stress. And many people live in levels of stress that affect their health. And this is the number one cause of illness in America today. Stress. It causes heart problems. It causes mental problems. It causes bad chemistry in your body because you're secreting whatever that's called that those harmful chemicals in your bloodstream that that really my wife knows what cortisones yeah okay my wife knows it cortisone cortisol Cortisol. all right talk to her afterwards if you want more exegesis on this subject (laughs) that this it secretes bad chemicals when you feel yourself losing your joy, when you feel like you're losing your capacity to trust God, when you start beating yourself up or living in a bad self-image, or when you start feeling depressed, go into the Spirit of God. Take a, take a spiritual shower in God's and in His love and understand that God is going to love you and I to the ends of the matter. And you know what? If we fail 70 times 7 in a day, God forgives us. And you know something? We're not, you and I are not going to die until God's plan is perfected in your life. One person said it this way, that God's calling and God's, God's plan is like a door in our life. That God's going to get us through that door. And he's going to get us through that door even if he has to beat us through the keyhole. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I know it's a little, I know it's a little uh, graphic, but God's going to get us through to the other side no matter what happens. Why? Because God takes pleasure in us. He takes pleasure in the work and the, of, the, of, the, of the grace of God in our life, that we are trophies of grace and that his love does not end. And um, one last verse about this, just really awesome verse. It says this, um, Ephesians 2, 2, chapter 6, verse 7. What's going to be happening in heaven? Sometimes people that are not saved, they ask me this question. What are we going to do in heaven? Just play our harps and just walk around? And are there going to be malls there? Can we shop? And it says this, and he raised us up together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That, by the way, what do we say about the word that? Whenever you see the word that, it's what is that called? It's a... 
purpose clause. And that means that whenever you see the word that or so that, you can say, oh, this is the point of the verse. This is the point of the thought. Whenever I read this in the Bible, you know, um, all of these things so that, and then our, we should, we should um, pay more attention to the script, to the text, and understand that this is God's divine purpose, so that in the ages to come, he might show what? The exceeding riches of his wrath. No, grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And that is what's going to be happening throughout the rest of eternity. God is going to be loving us, pouring on the love, pouring on the grace, pouring on the mercy for the ages to come. This life is just a trial. It's just a, it's just a dry run. It's, this, is just a, this is a time where we are just qualifying for that 1,000-year reign with Christ in eternity with God. Don't take your life too seriously. If things don't work out, don't take it too seriously. This, that's just the way life is. It, it, life is not fair for a lot of people. We just got to look at God and say, you know what, I'm just getting trained right now for my time to reign with Jesus Christ. And a lot of unthing, unfair things are going to happen to us. But don't forget, the length of God's love is something that began in eternity past, and we're going to be loved by God through the rest of eternity. And you know, the Holy Spirit's going to have to just really illuminate this in our hearts because what I'm saying is just words, but God's just going to have to show it to us how much He loves us and how much He is for us. Amen? Amen. So let's close in prayer. Father.